0: Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Hello and welcome to another edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney with my co-host Eric Raskin. I am Kieran Mulvaney. Uh, And Eric, I know that on most Monday mornings when our podcast comes out, uh, we both like to post on Twitter about it. Share a link, promote the show, make a witty comment or two. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, This past Monday, you, you did that. You tweeted about the first of our three podcasts that we have this week. Well, uh, I have to take issue with something here, my friend. Um, mm. I-, I did also see that you promoted another podcast on Twitter on Monday morning. You shared Conan O'Brien's podcast interview with Bruce Springsteen. Look, we've talked about this. You do realize that we are competing directly for market share with them. <laughs> I mean, that is our absolute direct competition. For most people, the start of the podcast listening week It's either Conan and Bruce or Raskin and Mulvaney. (laughs) It's not both. You have ruined, ruined our podcast and its potential reach. What, sir? do you have to say for yourself?
1: Well, I guess you missed uh, Conan and Bruce promoting our podcast uh, on Twitter. It was a simple tit for tat, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours arrangement, really. That's all it
0: was. Was it? Was it really, though?
1: (laughs) No, no, I guess not. You're you're right. It it, uh, distracts from our Twitter self-promotion, and goodness knows Conan and Bruce don't need my help getting people to listen to their podcast. Uh, For the record, my general feeling is that celebrities, are ruining podcasts. Ruining, uh, to ruining. use your pronunciation. Uh, much like how celebrities ruined reality TV. You know, it, it was better when it was the early days of The Real World and Survivor and The Bachelor before the Osbournes showed up and gave birth to the Kardashians and Celebrity Mole and whatever else. Same with podcasts. Most of these celebrities, 99% of whom started a podcast during the pandemic because they were bored, They aren't half as interesting as they think they are and are helping podcasts to jump the proverbial shark. But Conan is the exception. His is the one podcast I listen to that's hosted by someone famous for something other than podcasting. His show is tremendous. And of course, Bruce rules and his new album is brilliant. So look, if you listen to one podcast this week, make it ours. But if you listen to a second podcast this week, well, still make it ours. We have three episodes this week. But if you, <laughs> you listen go. to a fourth podcast this week, make it Conan and Bruce.
0: Okay. Well, really doubling down there. Not actually just <laughs> tweeting your support for the podcast, but using our podcast as a platform. What's your take, Ruskin? What do you want? <laughs> Yes, I've got I've got a good cut of Conan
1: O'Brien needs a friend. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there
0: you go. All right. Well, to, to follow up from what you just mentioned, not the Conan and Bruce aspect of it, but the other aspects of it, uh, it is a special Wednesday edition of the podcast, so it must be pay-per-view week. Uh, lo and behold, so it is. Uh, this Saturday, Showtime pay-per-view presents a four-fight card from the Alamodome in San Antonio, Texas, headlined by a battle for belts at both 130 and 135 pounds between undefeated Javante Davis and once-beaten Leo Santa Cruz. Coming up, we will be talking to Abner former three-division titlist and Showtime boxing expert analyst, who has twice faced Santa Cruz in the ring and was scheduled to square off against Davis in 2019 until injury intervened. Uh, Davis and Santa Cruz were themselves expected to clash back in June, but of course COVID intervened in those plans. Uh, but that actually isn't the only way in which the virus has left its mark on this fight. Um, The two-part all-access preview show revealed that during camp, uh, Santa Cruz's father, Jose, came down with the virus. That's obviously a cause for great concern anyway, and all the more so, given that he was already an at-risk patient because he's a recent cancer survivor, and subsequently also he was hospitalized again with a bout of sepsis. Um, Eric, I don't expect you to be able to put yourself in Santa Cruz's head or that of any of his family members, but... Based on past history and on what we saw on All Access, how do you expect this to affect Santa Cruz on fight night? As an inspiration, uh, a distraction, a course for concern, or actually not at all?
1: It's an important question. The answer will go a long way toward determining who wins on Saturday. And I have some guesses as to what that answer might be, but of course nobody really knows for sure. As far as Santa Cruz's personal history we know that his loan loss came to Carl Frampton shortly after his dad had been diagnosed with cancer. Leo didn't use that as an excuse, but the evidence suggests he didn't quite have his A game. He was at least a little Mm. distracted. Um, This is different, though, I think. Jose seems to be back on the upswing. The the worst, uh, at least of COVID, uh, is hopefully long behind him. So it would seem logically... And, you know, when you're talking about family and emotions, I guess logic doesn't always apply. But logically, Leo shouldn't be as distracted this time around. But, uh, you know, he will miss his father in his corner. I think that's a factor. Um, Could it be an inspiration? The great historical example, of course, is Buster Douglas channeling his mom's death into the fight of his life against Mike Tyson and then letting it all out afterward. This isn't that, but man, if Leo's trainer whispers, do it for your dad in his ear right before the opening bell, I would think you'd see a fired up Santa Cruz. Uh, Now, is being fired up good for him strategically? That's debatable. And, you know, we'll talk uh, about the style matchup and how each guy should want to fight, particularly on Friday when we're making our picks. But to answer your question, I think the effect will be Somewhere close to the not-at-all category, but maybe with a hint of inspiration mixed in. Mm. That's that's my best guess. It's it's a great pre-fight plot line either way, yep. and I thought All Access did a tremendous job presenting it. Agreed. Um, while Santa Cruz is close to his father... Davis comes from a different background. He was placed in child protective custody at the age of five and has had to look elsewhere for that male mentor figure. He found one of them at an early age in coach Calvin Ford, who is featured heavily on All Access and remains his trainer. And for much of his professional career, Gervonta has been receiving guidance from Floyd Mayweather Jr. In fact, we see almost as much of Floyd on all access as we do of Gervante. Mm. The very first scene is Davis sitting next to Mayweather on Floyd's jet and it's Mayweather, not Davis, who speaks the first words of the series. Kieran, what are your impressions from watching the show of the role of both men in Davis's life and career and how much of an advantage or disadvantage is it to have Mayweather giving him career advice?
0: So it's the first time I've seen like a, a great deal or heard a great deal from Coach Calvin, and um, I found it hard, if not impossible, not to warm to the guy. <laughs> yes. um, uh, he's the sort of person to me. He, he represents all that is best in boxing. He, you know, as a young man, he, by his own admission, followed the wrong path and paid the price for it. But he used boxing to turn his life around, and has spent the rest of that life paying it forward and helping youngsters like Javante not repeat the mistakes that he made in his youth and and actually, you know, use boxing to make something of themselves. And it feels like, you know, Davis seems very comfortable around him, you know, even when he's protesting about the work that Coach Calvin is making him do. And a large part of All Access was Javante protesting about the work (laughs) that Coach Calvin was making him do. Um, And I liked also there was that um, uh, one uh, sit-down segment where Javante talked a lot about how he's the kind of guy who likes to continue to ride with the people who brought him there. Um, and I I felt that that was a a clear reference, you know, to, to coach Calvin and and the other folks that are involved in Javante from, from the early days. And I I feel like he's the kind of guy who very much benefits from having that kind of, you know, paternal hard driving presence, uh, in his life. Um, his body language around Floyd Javante's is entirely different. Um, Seeing him sitting next to Floyd on the jet, he looked almost like a little boy. Yeah. Uh, You know what I mean? It was just, it was weird. Uh, Like, feeling like, looking a little uncomfortable, um, you know, not wanting to say or do the right thing, just sitting awkwardly. Um, Look, uh, our friend Leonard Ellaby would upbraid us for suggesting this if he were here. But I, I sometimes get the impression that Floyd wants his acolytes to do well, but not too well to be successful, but not as successful as him. <laughs> I just It's just this feeling I kind of get. Like, he's all right with them as long as they're striving to be Floyd and falling just short. Uh, in the unlikely event that one were to ever sort of exceed him, I think it would be a different relationship. Um, I, I guess it's good that in the question you specified um, how much of an advantage is it for him to give him career advice. Um, I'd be pretty happy to take life advice from Coach Calvin, um, I'm not quite so sure about Floyd, uh, but from a career, from a business point of view, look, obviously Floyd has done extraordinarily well for himself. He's made far more money than any other professional price fighter by, by, a, by a country mile. Um, but not everything that Floyd did is going to translate. Right. I mean, I don't know that there's necessarily a, a path to follow that, that he sort of set out there, you know, Floyd just happened to have a unique combination of skills, charisma, good looks. Tremendous business savvy, Um, you know, a real kind of antenna uh, for for popular culture and and a preternatural, confident sense of self. Uh, And that all came together in in a compelling and lucrative package. Um, If, as that one scene suggested, his principal advice is do what the fuck you want. Um, (laughs) Right. I don't think that's
1: terrific advice. No, it um, struck, struck me as uh, <laughs> maybe not the exact words Gervonta needed to be hearing.
0: Yeah. I mean, for one thing, it isn't necessarily a great way to be a citizen. And and sort of even within the specifically narrow confines of directing your career and determining your worth and all of that. Yes, it worked for Floyd eventually, um, but it wouldn't have worked for him earlier in his career to at the point where Davis is now. And and Davis is nowhere near the position. Floyd was in when when he sort of exploded in his career and and did, by the end, basically do what the fuck he wanted. Um, and even then, that only worked for Floyd because he had this remarkable package that, that we talked about. Um, I guess the one thing that you would hope to see from all of this, from this kind of, you know, uh, mentor-mentee relationship, is that apart from having remarkable skills and talent and all the other things that I said, Mayweather had, and from all account retains an absolutely productive digious work ethic. Mm-hmm.
1: CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings and it just keeps growing.
0: I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I'm a survivor. I am playing whatever role I got to play. I'm going to play this game for speed.
2: I ain't going down like no punk. <laughs>
1: A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.
0: Hopefully that more than anything is the advice that Floyd is trying to hammer home. Um, another of his protégés, Adrian Bronner, never got that message. Right. Right. <laughs> um, and I guess the jury is out still on whether Javante's getting it or not. And that's one of the sort of subplots. Um, that's the place that it needs to start. That's the advice that Floyd needs to be giving and he needs to be taking on board. And then he can start working on everything else. Floyd may or may not be telling him about how to run his career after that.
1: Yeah. So those three magic words, hard work, dedication.
0: uh, (laughs)
1: Exactly. Everyone needs to follow that part of the the, the Mayweather plan if they want to make it anywhere near the top in
0: boxing. Exactly. Um, And talking of which... So uh, one aspect that was touched on on the show, but only touched on, but it's been a major discussion point throughout the promotion, is the issue of weight. Um, as All Access reminded us, Davis lost the 130-pound belt on the scales in 2017. He initially missed weight in his last outing against Yuri Gamboa, despite the fact that he'd moved up to lightweight um there's the fact that this fight is for belts at one thirty 130 and one thirty five as we talked about. The question of whether it will be to davis's disadvantages disadvantage that both men are supposed to make the lower weight or to his advantage that the the higher weight belt is also involved um there's the fact that Santa Cruz began his pro career at one eighteen so there's a lot of noise about weight uh, I know that you often have feelings on this matter mm-hmm. and the importance <laughs> thereof, so my question to you. Yeah, look, it helps drive storylines and, as it turns out, podcast topics. But what might actually be of any consequence by the time the bell rings on Saturday night?
1: Yeah, so I, I am the guy who says that people tend to make too much of a few pounds, that it's the better fighter, not the bigger fighter, who wins. See Canelo versus Kovalev and Pacquiao versus a whole bunch of bigger opponents and mm-hmm. Floyd versus half the guys he fought. Um, so I'm going to preface my answer by saying that If Leo Santa Cruz is actually a better fighter right now than Gervonta Davis, he probably wins. Uh, But this is one fight in which I could absolutely see size and weight playing a role in either direction. If Davis makes weight and kills himself to do so, if he shows up drained, he's in big trouble. Uh, Oscar against Pacquiao, Chavez Jr. against Canelo, Tony against Jones. There are plenty of examples of a guy coming too far down in weight and not being his best self on fight night. Then there's the scenario more people seem to be concerned about. Davis is basically a lightweight. Santa Cruz is basically a featherweight. Mm -hmm. And maybe Santa Cruz's punches will have almost no effect on Davis, while Davis's punches will all hurt Santa Cruz. The thing about that is Santa Cruz's punches don't tend to knock out guys his own size anyway. Mm. And Davis's punches can eviscerate guys who are just as big as he is. So it's tricky. If we see, say, Davis KO three, will that be because Davis was bigger or because he's younger and more athletic and he's explosive. And when he lands, guys tend to go to sleep. Um, This is tough. Um, I think, unfortunately, that almost no matter what happens, we will hear excuses afterward, not necessarily from the fighters, but Mm -hmm. from everyone on Twitter, where every single great win in boxing history gets buried in an avalanche of (laughs) asterisks. You know, uh, if Twitter was around in 1938, all we'd hear is that Max Schmeling sucks and he's washed and Joe Lewis didn't prove shit knocking him out in one round. Uh, This fight, I mean, it'll depend how they look, but... If Davis knocks Santa Cruz out or if Santa Cruz wins a decision by outworking Davis, we will hear about how either Davis was too big or Davis shouldn't have tried to make 130 pounds. Mm. I guess I would say, yes, weight might be of consequence in this fight, but probably not to the extent that it will seem based on the reaction on social media and in articles and podcasts afterward.
0: Mm. Mm. I can think of a whole bunch of reasons why I'm glad Twitter wasn't around in 1938 (laughs) and 1939. I can tell you that that's a whole other story. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. I I think I can uh, imagine what you're uh, hinting at there. Yeah. Okay. uh, Let's let's talk about the timing of, of this fight. As you touched on earlier, it was initially under consideration much earlier this year, with reports in January suggesting it was being slated for Staples Center in June. Uh, we'll reveal our picks and predictions on Friday. Uh, but my final question today about this pay-per-view main event to you, Karen. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrified. It's the feel-good movie of the year. Bob Marley, One Love, rated PG-13, now streaming on Paramount+. Has anything you've seen, thought about, heard, or read over the past nine months, up to and including the pearls of wisdom your podcast partner has already shared on this very podcast, has any of that changed any thoughts or opinions you initially had about this fight?
0: It's funny you should have thrown that, that final little uh, subclause in there because what I – yes, uh, mm. my point somewhat relates actually to, to what you just talked about. Um, it's just going to sound, I'm afraid, awfully shilly, and I've tried to make it not sound like that, but here we go. I, <laughs> honestly, what – I'm more convinced now – that this is actually a decent matchup than I was when it was first talked about um, or when Santa Cruz was first calling out Davis. Not to take anything away from Santa Cruz, who's obviously just a fantastic fighter, but, you know, to follow on from your point, he's had exactly one fight higher than £126, I think, in his professional career, and he's going up against a guy who can barely make 135 It, It just felt like a stunt initially. Um, to me, rather than a meaningful contest. It felt like a first-class champion looking for a payday against a big name um, and an up-and-coming wannabe star happy to burnish his resume with an outing against an undersized veteran champion, um, arguably for the second time in a row. Uh, And that, as you just talked about, that may very well be how it all shakes out. Uh, But as you touched on some of the points just now, I do see a case now for at least having the potential to be a more legitimately you know, 50-50 contest. It's interesting. Santa Cruz actually has the height advantage in this fight. Yeah. Um, the reach is basically a wash. Um, yes, Davis is the naturally he- heavier man and the heavier puncher. But as you talked about, being forced to make 130, even being having to make 135 could be a real leveler. Um, you know, the, the fact that if Santa Cruz can withstand Davis's power early, does the advantage then start to shift to him? Because we know that we have concerns about Davis's stamina, whereas we do not have concerns about Santa Cruz's stamina whatsoever. Um, and will the extra weight that Santa Cruz is carrying actually make him better able to withstand the kind of punches that Davis will be throwing? Will it put some extra meat on his own? Um, you know, as we saw from All Access, Santa Cruz is working with a strength and conditioning coach to bulk himself up. This isn't going to be Juan Manuel Marquez chubbing up against Floyd Mayweather. Um He's going to be, you know, in good sculpted shape. Uh, Conversely, again, as we learned from all axis, Davis appears to be legitimately fed up with the sniping about his weight. And he is giving the impression of knuckling down and being serious about his conditioning. Um, But outside of the weight issue, there are intriguing issues. Uh, Santa Cruz is an incredibly busy puncher. He averages 85 punches thrown and 28.6 punches landed around. In huge contrast to Davis, who in his last outing only threw 28.1 punches uh, per round. Uh, But was all about uh, accuracy and landing the power punch. So it's energy against efficiency, youth against experience, righty versus lefty. Look, this might be a case. We would always joke that we'd pick against the Freddie Freddy fighter until Freddy came and sat down with us <laughs> right. on Media Row. And then we'd be, huh, actually, maybe we were wrong. Maybe we should have, he's made an excellent case. And maybe I've just been ground down by several months of uh, talking about it, thinking about it, watching All Access, uh, uh, seeing the press tour, uh, and so on and so forth. But I think perhaps, you know, in a sign probably both of how much credit santa cruz deserves as a fighter and how much skepticism javante davis has engendered i must confess that not long after i legitimately struggled to understand the point of this fight i have not as of a tuesday night settled on a pick Hmm. interesting
1: uh yeah and uh (laughs) i have not figured out my pick exactly yet either the only thing that i've really thought about and this won't give away my pick especially since i haven't decided what it is exactly yet uh is that if i bet the fight i'm betting Mm. the santa cruz side because he is priced as a a nice underdog yeah so uh i i may go with that i am definitely not gervonta at uh, odds similar to like what mayweather was against mcgregor or whatever Uh, it is not anywhere near safe enough for me to make that kind of bet
0: Right. I still wish I had just some kind of cash on hand during Mayweather McGregor. And I just (laughs) happened to be at a time where I had no money at all. If ever there was just free money floating around was that. But there you go. Oh, well. Uh, Yet another missed will
1: We'll we'll find other ways to get rich, Kieran. I'm not not worried. Will
0: we? I don't know. Well, shilling for Conan O'Brien, that may help. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, you should get on board that train. All right. Well, look, that's what Eric and I think about the main event. But let's turn now to somebody who has some genuine insider insight into both combatants and who will be part of the commentary team calling the fight for Showtime. Former world titleist Abner Mars Abner, thanks for joining us again this week.
2: Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on again. Appreciate it. And I couldn't be happy to be on because I'm... Uh... We're about to talk about two fighters that I know really, <laughs> really well.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. That's yeah, that's exactly why we really wanted to have you on this week. We're so glad you're able to join us to, to help preview this fight. Um, but before we talk about so much the, the fighters and the matchup, um, I'm curious for your thoughts on the fact that, you know, this is the first card in the U.S. to be fought in front of a live crowd since the coronavirus really took hold of the country. Uh, You fought in front of some big, passionate crowds. And I presume that on the way up, you also fought early on some undercards in in near empty arenas. How much difference (laughs) does it make to these fighters to fight in front of a crowd, even even in a partially filled arena as the Alamo Dome will be on Saturday night?
2: Right, not always empty for me. I always had my family, my mom. <laughs> there was you go. So I was a family relative that was screaming, <laughs> but um, you know, it just really depends. Um, you get to see it as as when you're in the gym. You know, it, it's, it's it's been mentioned like this many times already during this pandemic. It's like being in an empty gym, just your coach there. You know, a few few of the fighters, and you get to hear every single uh, instruction. So that could work out for you. If you're in the ring. You hear the coach. Hey, you're doing this wrong. Come on, amateur box. You know, you can hear everything. And when there's you know hundreds and hundreds thousands of uh, of fanatics, you, you, honestly, you can't hear anything other than mm. just a loud noise. Sometimes, sometimes chanting your name or or something's booing. Mm. Um. So I actually like uh, you know when there's crowd there because I just feel the adrenaline. Pumping, I feel the the energy from the crowd coming in, and I, I absorb that, you know, and I take it in as positive, and and honestly makes me feel even harder. Um, so again, it it just really depends on the fighter. Um, but I'm actually looking forward to this fight now as a um narrator, I'm I'm as a commentator mm-hmm. because this will be my very first time, very first fight on Showtime that there's an actual crowd there. Yeah. So I uh, will see if I get <laughs> it would change uh, my way of uh, commentating also. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: that, yeah, it's interesting. So it's not yeah not just the the fighters yeah. who will be drawing energy from the crowd, but uh, but the commentators a-
0: a- as well in this yeah, case yeah. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Um, look, as you hinted uh, right right at the beginning, few people know Leo Santa Cruz as a fighter as intimately as you do. Um, you dropped a majority decision to him in 2015 in a fight that saw both of you badly cut. And, uh, and again, a decision to him in 2018. Uh, what is it about Santa Cruz that makes him such a difficult and dangerous opponent? And what are the biggest problems you expect Gervonta Davis to experience from him on Saturday night?
2: Listen, I, I just hope that the same Leo Santa Cruz that we've been seeing over and over, you know, the, the guy I saw in the ring, I faced twice, 24 rounds plus, And I say plus because I got to spar him, you know, mm-hmm. prior to actually, you know, you know, thinking that we would fight in the future. Um, and the reason I mentioned that I hope to see the same guy is because sometimes, you know, us as fighters, we tend to think that just because we're in a big major, major pay-per-view fight, we have to fight differently. Oh, maybe I should mm. box this time. Maybe I should show the world something different. That no, stick to the same thing. So mm. I, if I see a Leo, the same Leo pressing and taking Tank Davis into deep waters, that's the Leo Santa Cruz I want to see. But if mm. he tries to box and boxes a, a, a slow tempo fight, that's Tank Ta- Davis' fight all day. Mm. Because mm. you're not pressing the guy anymore. He's picking his punches. You know you're gonna have him you're gonna let him think in, inside the ring now even more so I, I if leo Santa Cruz compressed from the early rounds takes Tank Davis into deep waters into a place where he's never been, tests his heart um you know um work the body and really really you know put him in the position where he's never been, then we have a leo the possibility of a leo you know taking a fight and and uh, again. I don't see a knockout from Leo Santa because we know he's not a big puncher. Right, uh, He's not known for being a big puncher, but he he accumulates punches and he breaks you down round by round. And we know that Tank Davis slows down, you know, and this is no story. This is not just me making up. We've seen it. From the six and on, we see a, a, a Tank Davis that fades out. I know he's been training super hard for this fight, but sometimes your body... Even if you've trained super hard for the very first time you're and you're draining your body from a big uh weight a mm. thirty five that you can make down to a thirty yes you might you might see tank there is make the weight, but you're draining a a big guy to a thirty pound you make weight, you think okay, I'm ready, but then your body does not show off fight night mm. your 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 mind tells you to fight, but your body's reacting different so if theo presses and takes that body and puts him in a position. Again, where he's never been, I think Leo again has the opportunity of, I want to say, you know, taking the, taking this win.
1: Fascinating, and of, of course, you know, you as as Kieran said, you know, Leo Santa Cruz about as intimately as a, another fighter can. But you're also pretty darn familiar with Gervonta Davis because you were scheduled to fight him uh, on February ninth last year, but were forced to withdraw after suffering an injury during training. Based on what you saw in Davis when you were preparing for that contest, what do you expect Leo to to target on Saturday night? Is there, is there something that maybe the average observer wouldn't see, but the, that Santa Cruz and his team are likely to have identified as a weakness to go after?
2: Well, see, it's different now. Um, last year, I'm not going to lie, last year when I picked Davis as an opponent, I, I saw a little bit of um, Tank Davis being vulnerable as far as his technique as far as his uh, training methods. Uh, I knew that he was still young. He was still not 100% um, still a hundred percent concentrated. Still a little green as far as like not taking it serious. So I knew that my experience will, will pay off in a big fight with him, um, him not taking a fight serious. So, that's the plan i had when i was fe- when i was when i was going to face him you know my fight got canceled a week before uh, the actual big fight mm-hmm. so i was going to press him particularly in deep water so also and just um you know um just show him something different but <clears throat> let's be honest guys this whole pandemic helped out a tank davis so much
1: hmm.
2: and and he even he even admitted this he said hey you know the fact that, you know, I, I don't have no distractions. I'm not out. All the clubs are closed. <laughs> All the strip clubs <laughs> yeah, right. are closed. And, and, and no distractions. This guy, you know, he's been training really hard and taking this fight seriously. Plus, I mean, let's add it up. This is the first major pay, uh, pay-per-view fight, first ever pay-per-view fight. Mm-hmm. So he's taking this fight really serious. I've seen, I started following him. I see the training methods. I've seen what he's doing over there with um, um, Mayweather, Mayweather's doing with him, the Mayweather gym in Vegas, so um, again uh, we might see a different Tank Davis that we're normally used to Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: when we see a Tank Davis, we usually get to see a, I I, want to say a 60%, maybe a 50% of Tank Davis because physically and mentally sometimes he's not there Mm -hmm. and now if you get a, maybe not 100%, but 90 percent of Tank Davis show up on the thirty first. Um, we're in for a surprise. We're, we're in for fireworks. Mm. So I'm really intrigued. I'm really I'm I'm really looking forward to see a different Tank Davis. Yeah. So if that's the Tank Davis that shows up this this uh, Saturday night, um, I cannot wait. You know, a superstar <laughs> yeah. in the making, a new superstar uh, on pay per view. So it's it's just it's just one of those fights, guy guys. When you put a a big you know four time for division champion leo santa cruz veteran in the sport against a young lion that yet we are set to see his potential uh craft is is just you know it's just a fight. you you look forward to see watching
0: yeah mm. well, finally is there almost more at stake here for Davis than there is for Santa Cruz. You know, on the one hand, yeah. Santa Cruz is, is perceived as the naturally smaller guy. And, and and for another, if Davis wins, Santa Cruz is already a guy with with belts at like four weights, and he could go back to 130 and pick it up, and, and he's still respected. But if if Davis loses, it really like messes up his momentum and his, his desire to get these bigger fights. So is that almost more on the table for Gervonta than for Leo?
2: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You just mentioned every single reason why, you know, you got a smaller guy moving up to um, one thirty. Um, you know, he's fighting for the one thirty five division also title, and um, I think Tank Davis has more to lose in this fight. Leo, he's already he's a, he's an accomplished fighter. Period. He loses. He tried. You know, he, he went. He went in against a tough guy, a young lion, and Tank Davis. And period, you know, he tried his best, he did what he had to. It was not was not impressive. Okay, you move him back to one twenty six, and you know, possibly even keep him at one thirty. Mm-hmm. But if Tank Davis loses, he loses big. You know, we're talking about the future of Tank Davis. Right. Period. The future. Leo Santa Cruz is already made.
0: Yeah. Yeah man you've set it up for us perfectly you've uh, you got me even more excited actually over the course of talking to you i've gone in like two separate different ways and then back again as to who i think is the favorite so um great job and uh thank you so much for joining us and for setting this up for us and all the best with the call on saturday your first your first call in front of a live crowd
1: yeah i'm looking forward to it guys thank you so much
2: I really appreciate your time again
1: thank thanks so much, all right great stuff there thanks again to abner for joining us twice this week truly the perfect person to break down this particular fight providing some insights kieran and i couldn't possibly provide but when it comes to the undercard kieran and i are only slightly less qualified and knowledgeable than abner (laughs) so let's give it a shot uh this is a four fight pay-per-view card the evening opens with action in the lightweight division as diego magdaleno takes on isaac cruz After that, former 140-pound belt holder Regis Progre returns a year almost to the day since dropping a majority decision to Josh Taylor. He's in a 10-rounder against Juan Heraldes, And in the co-main, San Antonio native Mario Barrios defends a junior welterweight belt against Ryan Carl, uh, also somewhat of a local fighter hailing from Milano, Texas, about 150 miles northeast. Kieran, anything in particular you're looking forward to on the undercard?
0: So our last pay-per-view, the, the Charlo Twins doubleheader, showcased three undercard fights in the 122-pound division, mm-hmm. which is one of the better ones in boxing right now. They weren't designed to tell us who was the top dog in that division, but they did help us – learn some more about some of the potential players. Uh we learned a bit more about a young gun and Brandon Figueroa. And we also got a sense of where a couple of veterans, Daniel Roman and Luis Neri, fit into the equation. And then there's something similar on this card, I think, with the 140 pound division, which is also an excellent one. Um, you know, right now in that division, at the very top, we have Joss Taylor and Jose Ramirez, but right behind them, hoping for a crack At the winner when Taylor and Ramirez meet is Regis Progray. As you mentioned, he dropped that close decision to Taylor last time out, uh, the first loss of his career. So I'm intrigued to see how does he bounce back and how high? Where does he place himself? Has he really lost anything at all after that defeat? Or is he going to just fit right back where he was before, right in that mix? He isn't in with a gimme either, as Juan Araldez is unbeaten. Although last year we did see him held to a draw by Agenis Mendez on Showtime Championship Boxing. So I am curious to see how does Progre look? And where does he stand in those growing ranks of legitimate contenders at 140. We recently saw uh, Subriel Matias demolish Malik Hawkins. How would Progray stack up against him? Or Jose Cepeda, who recently had that batshit crazy brawl with Ivan Baranchik. Uh, Or, indeed, Teofimo Lopez, who may be looking to move up from the lightweight division. Um, And somewhat filling the Brandon Figueroa role on this card is Mario Barrios, also unbeaten guy's been sort of on the fringes and talked about for a little while, who's gone from being at 511, a freakishly tall super Bantam weight to a somewhat above average height junior welter. Um, he's 25 and0, he still doesn't have any real names on his resume. Is he ready to take that step up and firmly move himself into contender status? So that's what I'm kind of interested. I'm kind of interested to see if that undercard will help cast some more light on where things stand in a very interesting 140 pound division Hmm. what about you Anything you're looking forward to? So it's interesting.
1: The The first fight that jumps out at me is the one that you didn't focus on as much there. I think Cruz Magdaleno has a bit of that show-stealing potential that we like to talk about. You know, Cruz is a, a short lightweight who likes to get inside. We saw him do that against Thomas Matisse on Showbox not too long ago. And Magdaleno always makes good fights, and he's fighting to stay relevant here. Yeah. Uh, so th- this is a perfect fight to get the crowd uh, spread out, though they may be fired up to start the show. Uh, Barrios also has a lot to prove uh, coming off that tough win over Batir Akhmadov, where we both thought he was a bit lucky to get the win. We both scored that a draw, as I recall. And, you know, Progray, of course, wants to remind everyone, hey, I I barely lost to Josh Taylor. Don't forget about me. Um, So, yeah, there's a bit of a common theme here, not just in terms of the size and weight classes of these fighters, but just in terms of uh, these are... Fighters who are coming off either recent losses or some shaky performances and really good fighters, though, who have something to prove and want to earn big fights and create public demand for them to land those big fights. You know, the main event fighters, Davis and Santa Cruz, they're in that top of the mountain fight on Saturday. Right. The undercard is packed with these good fighters who want to get there. Pro Grey is Probably the best of them, and I'm always psyched to watch him. Yep. Um. But don't sleep on that show opener. Cruz Magdaleno could be a lot of fun. There you go. I'm sold. Good. <laughs> Make sure watch the pay-per-view, order the pay-per-view, and listen to Conan and Bruce.
0: There you go, exactly. All right, look, that will do it for this special midweek edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. Our thanks to Abnamares Mares for joining us for the second time this week and giving that great insight, uh, which I really enjoyed. Um, We've talked a lot today about All Access, and as a reminder, if you haven't seen either episode, they are now both available on demand and on the Showtime Sports YouTube channel. Uh, We will be back with one more preview show on Friday. That's going to be right after the weigh-in when we will share our final thoughts and make our picks. Until then, thanks for listening. Be safe, be kind, and be long.